Okay, um, we're in the second week of a series called Getting Through What You're Going Through. And as we talked about this series, I shared with you that uh, the purpose of this is to help us to understand how to get through the losses of life and all the things that we go through in, in a way that God wants to use it, and even the painful things of life, in a way that will help us to grow and become more what he wants us to be. Last week, we talked about the first stage of the, what we're getting through, and this is a six-week series, so we're in week two. The first week was talked about the shock. When something happens in our life, we have shock in our life. It just We don't see it coming. The things that are most the most painful things in life, generally, we don't see coming. They're, they're the things that all of a sudden, the loss of a job, the loss of a, a loved one, a tornado, uh, whatever it may be in our lives, they just, just, they just hit us and we're shocked and we don't know how to deal with it. And so we talked last week how to deal with friends who are going through shock. We uh, talked about if you're going through something in your, uh, in your life itself, you know, how do you deal with it? And then also how to make yourself more shock resistant in your life as well. So if you weren't here last week, you can go and look at our pod, listen to our podcast and, um, and listen to that as well. Some of our groups are also studying the same uh, curriculum because uh, I shared with you that uh, back in November when we were going through the tornado and that week as I was studying and looking at what God wanted me to share that week, uh, I listened, had listened to a, a podcast from Rick Warren, pastor of, uh, of Saddleback Church in California, and uh, he shared that, and so we had some curriculum we can use with our small groups as well, so some of you are doing that. Um, today we're going to talk about the second stage, though, after the shock. The next stage thing that hits us as we get through what we're going through is the whole stage of sorrow or getting through the losses of life. The reality is is that we all have uh, losses, and some of you, some of you have probably have an advanced degree in grief. You have a lot of stuff in your life that you've gone through, that you've grieved. Um, my advanced degree in grief came because I was a former pastor of a, of a church in Virginia before I came here, I shared. And for 13 years there, I did almost 300 funerals. Uh, we had a lot of fit folks in the life of the church, and so a lot of older folks. And so I spent a lot of time talking with people and dealing with people through the grieving process of loss uh, in regards to, to death. And so uh, some of you have that um, as well. But today, what I want to talk to you about is two things. Number one, I want to talk to you about what I have learned about grief, what the Bible says about grief. And I think it's very important to understand it, this, this, this whole thing. And then how do we get, deal with the grief in our life? How do we work through that? Because it's, it's something we need to work through. So if you have an outline this morning in your bulletins, there is an outline with all the points and you can fill in the blanks if you, if you'd like to do that kind of thing. Uh, most of the scriptures are there. And uh, that allow you to uh, go back later and remember some of the things because I think these are important things to talk about. But let me talk this morning a little bit about what I've learned about grief. Number one, the first thing I've learned about grief is this. Loss is unavoidable, but grief is a choice. Loss is unavoidable, but grief is a choice. Uh, there is no life without change. Is that true? You know, the only thing that does not change is something that's not alive. Because if you live, you will change, whether you like it or not. I mean, some of us, the change is losing hair. Some of it's uh, turning gray. Some of it's gaining weight. Some of it, We have all these changes in our life that we go through, right? We have all these changes in our life. And so change and, and, and loss is unavoidable. So there is no life without change. There's no change without loss. And, no lo- and there's no loss really without pain. But grief is a choice. Grief is a choice. And you must choose, and this is what I'm going to tell you this morning, you must choose to let grief in. Because grief is something that God uses 
to help us go through the transitions of life. He uses it to help us to grow. And so you have to allow to let, let in, allow yourself to feel it. Grief is a, and let me just say this to you and hear this. Grief is also one of the main keys to spiritual growth. It's a, one of the main keys to spiritual growth is learning how to grieve well. And to let grief go through and be in your life. Many of you think that the only time you grieve is at funerals. No, that's not true. We grieve for all kinds of things in life. There's hundreds of losses that we have in our life that we grieve about. As your family, as your kids grow up and get older and leave the house, you grieve those. Some of you celebrate those as well, but you know, but, uh, <laughs> you kind of do both at the same time, you know? I just hate to tell you that, but that's the reality. But, uh, you have other losses in your life as well, and, 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 and so all these hundreds of losses, we need to learn how to grieve them. And because grief is an unpleasant or really a painful, uh, uh, um, emotion that we have, what happens is so often instead of dealing with grief in, a, in an effective way, what we do is we stuff it. We just simply stuff the grief down and we don't allow ourselves to go through it. That's, and I want to share with you this morning that one of the things I've learned, as scripture tells us, I believe, and also I've learned from, from living life itself is because, because of grief being an unpleasant emotion, sometimes we stuff it. And that's many times the source of many of our problems. The stuffing our grief down. Unresolved, unmourned grief is, is something that causes us all kinds of issues in life. So the first thing is this. Loss is unavoidable, but grief is a choice. Number two, a second thing I've learned about grief is this. Grief is healthy. Grief is healthy. It's really the only healthy response to loss. Because it's unhealthy to deny the things that go on in our life. If you simply deny the things that, that go on in your life and, and you try to stuff them down, what happens is it doesn't work too well. And because grief is this most painful of all emotions, it's also one of the most helpful of all emotions. You're going, not really. Y- yes, it is. See, it's God's tool for getting you through those transitions of life. And when you don't grieve, you get stuck. Let me ask you, so let me prove it to you from Scripture, Okay. Let me ask you a question first. Did Jesus ever do, this is your opinion, okay, this is an opinion, did Jesus ever do anything wrong or unhealthy? What do you think? Those of you who think he never did anything wrong or unhealthy, raise your hand. Never did anything wrong or unhealthy. I would say it's pretty, pretty, I, I, that's the way I feel. Jesus was the only perfect person to ever live upon the light, face of this earth, right? Okay, so if Jesus never did anything wrong or unhealthy, Did he grieve? Yes. In John 11, it says this, when Jesus saw her weeping, talking about one of his friends and the loss of another friend, and saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, he was deeply troubled. Then Jesus wept. And then the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him, talking about Lazarus. See, Jesus wept. He says in Scripture that Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrows. It means you understood. He was he's fully human, and so it meant that he was fully human and fully God at the same time. And how that works, I don't know. But I know the Bible teaches that, and, it, and I believe it's true. And so the thing is, is he had these emotions. He was a man acquainted with sorrows. And so one of the problems that we have in our culture so often is we think that sadness is weakness, and it's not. Sadness is not weakness. The fact is, and let me just tell, talk to you men for a minute, Weakness, weak men are afraid, I believe. I think weak men are afraid to show their emotions. 
We're afraid to show our emotions because we think that for some reason, it's, and it's a really dumb American culture, that if to show, show emotions in the cry or anything like that, it means we're weak. But it's not. I cry a lot. And something grieves me. Something pains me. Something goes through that. And I've not had anybody come up to me recently say, Bill, you're just really a weak dude. <laughs> no, nobody's ever said that. Maybe they think that, but I've never had anybody say that. But the reality is... For men, particularly, but women too. Some women have taken this on too. Just let's be stoic. Let's be like like Mr. Spock on Star Trek. You know, if you don't know what Star Trek is, he was a Vulcan, by the way. Live long and prosper. You know. So the thing is, you know, no emotions. Let's just be blank. And we feel that that's some kind of sign of strength, but it's not because the thing is, the Bible says that Jesus was a man who wept, and I don't believe Jesus was weak. He says he's a man acquainted with sorrows and he expressed his grief in, in healthy ways in his life. And there's two unhealthy reactions to, to grief in our life. So often, in it, two of them, one of them's called repression, another one's called suppression. Repression is when we unconsciously, we, we try to block out the painful thoughts. And we sometimes just do this because it's, the, the pain is so intense that we just simply unconsciously try to block it out. The other suppression is when we basically consciously deny stuff. We simply say, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get through it. I'm just gonna do it. And we become real stoic in our, in our attitudes and we stuff stuff down. And one of the things that some of us need as our next step may be to deal, have somebody to sit down with a counselor or someone to help us to deal with those emotions that we stuff down. Because we're stuck at that place in life because we, uh, grief is a healthy emotion that we need to deal with. And if we don't let it out in healthy ways, what will happen is it, we will act it out in unhealthy ways. See, when, and also not only that, when, when I swallow my grief and I don't deal with it and, and the things in life, when I swallow my grief, my body rejects it. Some of you have, you know, you know that many doctors will say, and I have doctors here in the house probably say, many of the things that we cause our problems is, 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 is anger or, or, or grief that's been stopped and it comes out in all kind of physical things. We probably can empty half our hospitals if we deal with things in a better way. And realize that some of the emotions are healthy things to do and we need to get past those things. A lot of illnesses come from unresolved grief, resentments, and regrets. You have to choose to embrace grief. So I've understood this. Grief is healthy. Jesus grieved. That means we can grieve too. The third thing I've learned about grief is this. God grieves with me. When I'm going through grief, God grieves with me. You're, you know the reason that you can grieve? It's because you were made in whose image? The Bible says the image of God. You know what that means? God has emotions. The reason that we have emotions is because we are made in the image of God. So emotions are not unhealthy. Emotions need to be channeled in the right way. And grief is one of those emotions that we need to deal with. And that's one of the things that makes us different from animals. They don't have those same emotional states that we do. They can't grieve the way we can. See, God is a suffering and sympathetic God. He's not aloof. He's not apathetic. He's not standing on the sidelines. That's not the God we see if you study Scripture carefully. He suffers with us. Matter of fact, in Psalm 34, it says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. It says He's close to us. If you want to be close to God, let me tell you, this morning, some of you are brokenhearted. In a crowd this size, there's some of you who are going through some stuff in your life that have caused you heartbreak. 
And so often when we have heartbreak in our life, what do we think? Well, God just left me. He's, he's far away. But the fact is, the Bible tells us the opposite is true. God is right there with you. He's right there in your midst and he is connected with you during that time. And he's not abandoning you. So God agrees with me. He, I, I found that to be true. That's why we have to turn our eyes upon Jesus, like the song said. And realize that's what we, what he, he's there with us. He's there with us. The fourth thing I've learned about grief is this. Grief is healed in community. Grief is healed in community. We talked about this last week. Uh, we talked about how we need to go through life, the, the ups and downs of life, and we need to be in community. You can't do it on your own. You can do it on your own, but you won't do it well. But you need to be connected with people. No one gets well on their own. We need each other. Uh, last week when I shared about that and I shared about how you need to be connected in a church, you were already here at the church, of course, but I'll know also how to, you need to be connected in small groups. Uh, you know, 24 of you got it. 24 new people signed up for groups last week. So that was great. That was the most ever in one Sunday morning. So if you didn't sign up last week and you thought about it, there's going to be some people out at the desk following the service to do as well because you need to be connected with people. And it's too many people, and you're sitting in rows here. You know, you're not doing a lot of conversation. I'm talking to you. You're just kind of listening. You're kind of participating that way. But in, a, in, in, our, in our small groups, it becomes a place where after getting to know people, what happens is, is you get connected with them, and you can share your life with them. Yesterday morning at 6.30 a.m. here at the church, I have a men's group that I meet with. And 10 of us, 11 of us yesterday were sitting together around a circle. And we could talk together and share together. We shared uh, different things in our life, what was going on. We looked at God's word together. We studied together. We did all those things together. And I think it helped us all to be better. Grief is healed in community. In Galatians 6.2, it says this, carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And remember, I shared with you, the law of Christ is very simple. In the great commandment, it says you're to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the two things. The, the basic law of Christ is love God, love others. And he says what we're to do, we're to carry each other's burdens. That's one of the ways we love other people. We carry each other's burdens. We're there for them in a time of need. And you cannot do that if you don't know people. And I guarantee you this morning, you don't know everybody here, right? Can anybody stand up and name every person in the room? I can't. I can't name half the people in this room. Okay, because, you know, I, I exit greet. People go out the door. I know your face. Oh, I think you've been here before. No, well, I've been here for seven months. Well, I'm sorry, you know. I mean, I can't remember stuff. Just, you know... Now, now, if I deal with you in some kind of a, you know, usually it's some kind of thing like a funeral or a wedding or something, you know, I get to know you better. But there should be a group of people in your life, a small group of people, 10 to 12 to 15 people. Some of our groups got kind of large now, uh, you know, 15, 20 people. And, and in that context, you can know those people. And you can know their sorrows and you can share each other's burdens in that kind of a setting. So that's why we need to do to deal with that and understand grief is healed in community. It says in Romans twelve fifteen, it says, When others are happy, be happy with them. And if they are sad, share their sorrow. I love uh, one of the quotes. Rick Warren is great with quotes. He has, he, likes, he has great quotes. I don't know where he gets them from. Somebody else must make them up for him. It's not mine, I don't know. He, has, he only has a staff of about 150, so probably some staff member made these up. But one of the greatest ones I always loved is this. He says, Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. If we stuff stuff in and don't let anybody know, what it is, it, 
it never gets healed. And so when we reveal our feelings, what it is, it begins to allow us to be healed in our own, in our own lives as well. And let me give you a tip. If you're sharing together, one of the things that never comforts a person is comparing. Never compare. I cannot tell you how many times when you go through something and I hear somebody and you, you go in a room and, and somebody's lost a loved one. Say they've lost a father or a mother or a child and somebody will say, well, I know exactly how you feel because I've lost, and I'm going like, no, you don't. Even if you, if this person's lost a child and you've lost a child, it was a different relationship. Everybody grieves differently. There may be some similarities, but you don't know exactly how they feel. I don't know exactly how they feel. So comparing never comforts. And last week I told you, you know, sometimes when somebody's going through shock, just show up and shut up. You know, that's important too. Just being there for the person. And then once they get through those stages, begin just to listen and be there and allow them to share the things they're going through. So grief is healed in community is is the fourth point. And the fifth thing I've learned about grief from, from God's word and from living life is this. Grief takes time. Grief takes time. You can't get over it quickly. You can't rush it. You know, I've heard people ask this. I've heard a basket of people that have gone through just all kind of tragic circumstances of all ask people and they're going, they'll look at someone and say, oh, are you over it? I hate to tell you this, but you never get over it. You can get through it, but you don't get over it. If you lost a child, you don't get over it. It's going to affect your life the rest of your life. If you lost a spouse, if you've lost, ladies, if you lost a breast, if you lost a child, whatever, you don't get over it. You get through it. You get through it. And there's a huge difference in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. What the Bible is saying is there is times for, for everything in life. It's, the life is composed of opposites. There's good days and there's bad days. There's up days and there's down days. And, and there's times to weep and time to rejoice, time to be sad, time to mourn, time to dance, time to party. And both of these are legitimate parts of our lives. And let me tell you what maturity is. Maturity is learning how to live in both areas, not just in party time. Or not just to get stuck in grieving time. Maturity is when you can enter into both the ups and the down times and go through those times in healthy ways. See, if you can only enter into the parties of life and you don't know how to grieve, you're missing half your life. That's the part of your life that causes you, I believe, to grow the most spiritually. You don't grow in the parties. You really don't. You grow in the valleys. So he says grief is a season. And what a season means, it's more than one day. It may be more than one week. It may be a long period of time. And for everybody, it's different. In the Bible, there is a phrase that, that, that says this. It says it talks about a time of mourning. If you go to the nation of Rwanda today, every year on a specific date, they have this, this thing that happens, and it's called, it's called the National Day of Mourning. You know Why? If you know the history of Rwanda, you know that what happened was, is, is, I think 20 years ago, there was this huge genocide in Rwanda. And they don't want to forget that. 
because it affects who they are as a people. But so every year they have a specific day that all people there, it's a day of mourning. And they don't see it as a negative thing. It's seen as a positive thing. And it's used many, many times. This, this thing in the Bible called the, this phrase called the time of mourning. It's used many, many times. It talks about the, there's the time of mourning when Moses died. It was 30 days and, and the whole nation mourned for 30 days. Now, why am I belaboring this point? Because what we do so often when we face loss, let's say you've lost your job or, or you've lost a boyfriend or you've lost your health or you've lost a big deal or you've lost your dream or whatever it may be. There are a million different things you could lose. At that moment, the temptation is to immediately want to fix it. Instead of just grieving the loss. We just want to fix it. Get over with it. And it doesn't work. See, we don't, don't try to fix everything the first thing out of the gate. That's not the first thing we need to do. We just need to grieve. That's part of the healing process. It's how you get on with your life. But you know why we try to fix it? Because we learned it as little kids. We do. Let me tell you how. You go out and you, a little kid, and you go out and you fall over and you break your head open, and you start crying, and the first thing an adult says to you is what? Now don't cry. Don't tell me you hadn't done that before, okay? Now don't cry. Why? Why, why do we tell little kids that? Because we think that, you know, if they cry, is crying worse? You know, no, my head hurts. It's alright to cry. It's all right to grieve because I'm in pain. I'm hurting. And, but we said, don't cry. Let's rub some dirt on it. Oh, that's, that's all me. That one the head. Okay. But the thing is, you know, whatever it may be, we tell our kids early on, hey, hey don't, don't, don't grieve. Don't weep. You know, is it, are we more concerned with them being quiet than you are about dealing with life? What's the deal? See, we want to get past sorrow without ever going through it. That's how you get stuck. And you don't get, and when you don't go through it. And so, so many of us are stuck at some stage of our life many, many years ago because we never dealt with the grief in our life. We never grieved things properly. So how do you move forward in life? Let me give you, let me give you four keys real quickly this morning. Four keys to getting on, uh, moving forward with, with things in life. And because many people are emotionally and spiritually stuck and they don't know why. They haven't let themselves grieve properly. And because of that, they can't move on. Number one, if you want to move forward with stuff in your life and you're stuck somewhere, number one, list the losses I've never grieved. List the losses that you've never grieved. Take an inventory. Let me tell you how to know what it is. What do you not want to talk about? What do you, every time you just, if somebody brings it up, you say, I don't, don't want to talk about that. And it could be something that happened 20 years ago. Reconsider what you've tried to run past. And, and, and see, so you gotta, you got, you gotta get past it. And you, and you won't get past it until you acknowledge it. Let me ask you another question this morning. This is, this is actually something you could respond to, okay? We don't do this too often, I know, because it's so hard. We can't do it as a group. How many of you would like your future to be blessed by God? 100% of you, good. If you don't, if you'd raise your hand, you have a problem, you need counseling. Okay? Okay, reality. You know, how many of you want your future to be blessed by God? You know that Jesus said that grief is a keto blessing that says that it's, Jesus said this, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. See, cover-ups don't get comforted. 
You must grieve first. It's kind of like this. If you, if you have a wound on your skin and you just simply, and, it, and it's there and you don't clean it and you don't deal with it and you don't do something with it, you just put a band-aid over it, but underneath what's it doing? It's festering. It's a really nasty word. It even sounds bad, right? It's festering. That's what happens when you have grief in your life and you just try to cover it up. You don't try to deal with it. You don't try to work through it. What you do is you just, you just, you just have it there. Unmourned losses are still waiting to be mourned in many of our lives. And you know why we don't allow ourselves to grieve? Why? Fear. Fear. There is a note, there is, there is a uh, little thing on your outline. It's one whole line there, okay? Why do we fear that because we felt we think this once again we think that I'll be over if I deal with the grief and it's been there a long time I'll be overcome with emotion. Yeah, and it's all right to have emotions. God has emotions. Jesus had emotions. It's all right to deal with your emotions. Or we'll say, you know, you know, if 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 I if I bring that up again, I'll never recover. I'll tell you this: you'll never recover if you keep it a secret. Because if you stuff it down, those things in your life that you've never grieved, what will happen is that they'll just, they'll just be there and they'll be like a, a Coke bottle. It's just shake up and you never take the top off. They'll want to explode. You know, one of the things we just need to do is remember what God says. And this is a, a, a verse that I use all the time in funerals. I've probably used it several hundred times over the years. But it's something that I read all the time because it says in Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will do what I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Notice it doesn't say we just ignore it. It says we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's a shadow. It's not the real thing. It's a shadow because sometimes when we go through grief, we, we, we don't can't separate what's real and what's not real in our lives. And what happens is, is we, we have this irrational fear sometimes. See, shadows can't harm you. Can they? You know, it's like, you know, with kids, you know, Daddy, will you look under the bed? There might be something under there. You know, there's really something under there? No. Maybe dirt. I don't know. But the reality is it's not, there's nothing under the bed. All you have to do is say, oh, it's, it's all right. There's nothing under the bed. It's a shadow that causes our kids to be fear. But so often in life, we become fearful of things that really cannot cause us any harm. The Bible, you know, the Bible never says, weep not. Not one time does it ever say, weep not. But it does say multiple times. Matter of fact, it says 365 times, fear not. Wonder why 365 times? At least one, one per day. Fear not. So the first thing you have to do if you're going to deal with and get past, move forward, is list the losses I've never grieved. The second thing we have to do is identify what we have really lost. Identify what we have really lost. We need to go deeper. We need to ask ourselves not just the obvious things. What did I really lose? What did I really lose by having an alcoholic dad? What did I really lose by getting laid off? What did I really lose by having my parents divorced and I can't get past that? What did I really lose by moving so often? No, those are the obvious things. But the, the, the things that we probably really lost are things like security and identity and encouragement and stability and trust. Those are the things we need to grieve. We have to really identify what those things are and we have to identify what we've really lost in life. We have to look past the obvious and once you discover that, that is what you grieve. 
But so often we really don't deal with the real things. We deal with the, with the consequences or the things that have happened, not the real thing, not the real root cause. So identify what you've really lost. And I'll go through the last two pretty quickly because we're going to talk about the third one next week in, extent, in, a, in a long way. The third thing we have to do if we want to get through it is after we've listed, listed the things we've never grieved, after we identify what they really are, then we have to have the courage to lament. Lament? What's the word lament mean? That's a really strange word, right? We're going to talk about how to lament next week uh, in, in our, in our uh, next message. But you've got to learn to lament. What I'm trying to teach you is that you can't get past your pain until you acknowledge it. If you accept it and you feel it. Once you do that, when you, then you can get through it. Because many of you have had a painful or traumatic experience in your life, and rather than actually feeling it, actually grieving over it, actually going through the season of mourning, you just put your head down and you try to ignore it. And then you go on from there, and, 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 and this thing, and the results of it keep popping out all kind of sideways here and there, and it's like, like I said, like taking that Coke bottle and shaking it up and never letting the calf off, and it's about, you're ready to explode at all times. It affects every area of your life, and you don't even realize it. And then all kinds of bizarre behaviors and habits and fears and hang-ups and problems come because we don't actually deal with the losses of life we have. And that's how we get stuck. But one of the things we need to do is learn to lament. Let me tell you what lament means. Here's, here's a definition. Lament means a passionate expression of grief to God. It's also an act of worship. It's an act of worship that can include complaining to God. Did you know that you could worship God by complaining to God? No, you can't do that. No. What's wrong is when you talk about God, that's rebellion. When you talk to God, even if you're complaining to God, that's an act of worship because you're saying, God, I want you in my life. I, I, I don't like it, but I'm still focusing my attention upon you. You know that the Bible is full of laments? You know there's actually a book in the Old Testament called Lamentations? You know what it is? If, I don't know if you've read it or not because you're going to like, well, it's the Old Testament. Well, let me, let me tell you what Lamentations is. It's right after the book of Jeremiah. You know what it is? Basically, Lamentations is Jeremiah complaining to God because he did everything wrong. God did everything wrong according to Jeremiah. And it's just complaint, complaint, complaint because nothing's happening the way he thinks it should happen. And so he, but he is talking to God and he writes it down. It's called Lamentations. And so often when we think of the book of Psalms, what do you think about? We think about these warm, you know, praises to God because we have so many songs that have been based upon, upon Psalms. But you know, in the 150 Psalms that are in the, in the, in the Bible, 65 of those are Psalms of lament. And if you want to read the deepest, darkest one of all, read Psalm 88. Psalm 88, when it ends, it's a guy named Heman, and then what he does at the end of his lament, his final closing line is this. He says, darkness is my only friend. I'm going, woo, that's in the Bible? Yeah, because it's people talking to God about the stuff that's going on in their lives. And folks, we need to learn to talk, we need to learn to lament. Not talk about God, not just complain about, about God, we need to talk to God and complain to him. Because when we do, God will, will take and embrace that and, and help us to get back to where we need to be. That's one of the things we have to learn to do. We'll talk about that more next week. And I'll give you, uh, show you in Scripture where, where, where one person lamented in such a powerful way and how they did that. This week, if you uh, have not, if, if you don't have a place to read in Scripture specifically, I encourage you to read Psalms. And if you read through Psalms, ask yourself, is that a Psalm of encouragement or a Psalm of lament? <laughs> 
pretty easy to figure out. And maybe highlight the songs of lament in one color and the songs that encourage you in another color. And then when you're going through a tough time, pull out your psalms and read them again. I read psalms all the time. Because they have, they uplift, they're uplifting, but also, you know, when I'm complaining to God, I want somebody to be on my side, so I just look at one of those lament songs where somebody else was complaining to God. You know, and, and I can do it better. We need to learn to lament and, and get past that. And the fourth thing we need to do, if we're going to get through the things that we're going through, is we need to ask Jesus to heal our broken heart. Ask Jesus to heal our broken heart. You know what it says? It said, when you go through the valley of the shadow, what do you do? Do you stay in the shadow? You know what the Bible says in Psalm 103? It says this, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who honor him, for he understands how weak we are. God understands how weak we are, and, and he, he still loves us, and he, and, he, and he wants to embrace us. And you know what Jesus said in his very first public sermon he ever preached? Over in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, Jesus said, God has sent me to do what? To heal the brokenhearted. That's one of the things he wants us to do. He wants us to turn to him, ask Jesus to heal our broken hearts. So often in our pain, what we do is we tend to walk away from God. But you know, when we walk through the shadow of something, you know what? You know, what can only happen if there's a shadow? What else has there have to be in play? There has to be light. The only way that there's going to be shadow if there's light that shines on something that causes a shadow. So when there's a shadow, basically what we do is we turn away from the shadow and we turn toward the light. And that light is coming from God. And he wants it to reveal who he is through the tough times in life. And so I turn my back on the shadow and I turn toward the light. Let me share with you this. It, the best way, the best way to help another person through grief, the best way to be prepared for if you're dealing with a loved one's death is to make sure you're ready for your own. That you've turned toward God and you're seeking him. So this morning as we close, and as we, I, I challenge you just to, just, just to encourage you to do these things. These are very simple things. They're challenging things. It's simple things. But if there, there may be a next step that some of you need to take this morning. And that step is to turn toward God himself. And you've never done that. appreciate Lisa, you know, in her baptism this morning, sharing her story. And I don't know all of your stories, but God does. And he wants you to take your next step. And for some of you, that is turning. And the reason you can't deal with the grief in your life and the pain in your life is because you don't have the one source on life that will allow you to deal with it in a, in a productive way. And we're going to be talking about that, how God turns these pains into good things down the road here in this series. But the first step for many of you will be to say yes to Jesus Christ. So let's just bow our heads right now. And as we bow our heads right now, I just want to pray this prayer. And this is a simple prayer that I prayed with many people. If they've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, because Jesus tell us, tells us in Scripture that, that He is faithful and just, and if we will, we will just turn to Him and we will give our lives to Him, that we can be a part of His family and He will be with us and His Spirit will live in our lives and give us, empower us to live life daily, not perfectly, but to deal with the ups and the downs of life. So let's just pray right now. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakcc.org.